Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. And welcome back to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ, joined by Kelsey, as usual. And Kelsey, it is a busy time in the sports world. We have all three major sports going at once, plus some other ones getting going as well, too. Yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. You mentioned some of them getting just started, which is the NBA preseason, which, you know, it's preseason, so there's not much you can take from it right now. Sorry, Bulls fans. Uh, Not a whole lot out there other than you beat the Cavs by, well, a whole lot, and it's still preseason. So <laughs> sorry for you. Uh, look, you got football right in the in the in the swing of things. This is where it gets fun. Just before the bye week start, where you see players start getting moved, and baseball, it's postseason time, which is money time, baby. That's the my favorite time of baseball season, without a doubt. Absolutely, as well, too. And that's actually going to take us right into the leadoff, brought to you by Doctor Squatch. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. All the high quality soap effects with all the harsh chemicals for your skin. Smells wonderful. Get the various different types of soap they have. They even had a pine tar smelling soap at one point as well, too. So definitely want to check them out. Link in the bio as well. So I'll take us to you, Kelsey. You mentioned baseball playoffs underway. Red Sox taking it to what better way to start the wild card? Their arch rival Yankees by a win of six to two, advancing them into the divisional series. Kelsey, what do you take of that game? And what do you think about that the AL moving forward? Well, that's, you know, I when I was looking at the league, you know, before the season, Yankees were one of my playoff predictions. Red Sox were an outside prediction to get there but I had them both winning the wild card or going into the wild card game which was exactly right however I had the Yankees originally beating the Red Sox now when I looked at the last couple weeks I was like all right the Red Sox easily should take this game but I you know it's still in the back of my head you had it had me wondering like are the Yankees still able to hit it yeah the the Yankees bats just went cold at the wrong time honestly is where this came in and the Red Sox I mean can you talk about a hotter team coming into these playoffs that didn't win their division I mean this is a team that outside of some of the division winners who have just rattled off victory after victory. I mean, as much as I don't like their City Connect baby blue uniforms, you can call those the victory blue uniforms for Red Sox Nation out there. Might as well, too. I mean, it doesn't make any sense why they have them, but at the same time, they equate to W's as well, too. We've seen some weirder jersey combinations like the Cavs having green uniforms. and just There's some weird ones you can look at there as well, too. So that'll bring us to the next part. We, you talked about what you have with the AL. How do you see the playoffs shaking out? I want to hear a prediction. Who's going to be in the World Series and how do you have them winning? Well, one of the hottest teams, a 
record franchise record setting good dating back to their New York baseball days is the Giants with oh my gosh 107 victories in the season I mean that was just absolutely incredible to watch and so I'm having the Giants getting out of the NL honestly it's going to really depend on who they face coming out of this wild card game because at the time we're recording this Cardinals and Dodgers have yet to play but if it is the Cardinals I think that's a tougher matchup for the Giants just because of the bats for the Cardinals but I do think they still make it out of either matchup it just one goes down to the very end. The other one's going to be a sweep. Um, after that, there's no nobody really in the NL, I think, that can match what the Giants have been able to do, both small ball, long ball, defensively-wise. It's, it's been absolutely fantastic. You know, Gaussman has been absolutely fantastic for the Giants all season long pitching. So uh, that's something to consider. And in the, in the AL, I mean, as much as I'd love to say the Rays make it back, well, I, you don't have a Blake Snell to pull off the mound this year, so you don't make it back, Rays. I'm sorry. Uh, but – I do have the much maligned, much hated Houston Astros heading back to the World Series. So it's going to be a Giants-Astros World Series in this one is what I see happening. Very interesting. Okay, too. So you see the Giants having after one three and five years not that long ago, finally be able to end the drought and get back in there. So to maybe pull off four in the last 15 or so years. You know, look, hey, I'm not going to complain. This uh, I, I've talk, long talked about being a Giants fan who just, as a sports fan in general, no matter how bad the teams I root for anymore, are going to be, I am okay because I, I was, I was witness to the three and the five years with the giants. So my, my championship celebrations have happened and been over with. If the giants can make it back, not just make it back, but if they do make it there, I do think like that's a very good team to, to be there. And uh, I, I'm, you know, it's a hard thing to say that they, they won't make it. You win 107 games in a season. You're, you did something right all season it's not just a small portion of the season like maybe the red sox can be considered like the giants literally did their thing for 107 games which is well over the majority so it's hard to vote against them if they were to make it to the uh, make it to the world series absolutely as well too so and they look like honestly they might be the team to beat as well too the number one seed in the nl but i do agree with you it depends who comes out of that wild card as well too i think the Dodgers and the Cardinals, obviously the answer is going to be done by the time by the time this actually releases. But I do look at the Cardinals and think they could be more trouble for the Giants, like you said. But I think the Dodgers have a better chance of going farther if they didn't have to play the Giants. Like I think the Dodgers have a better chance against everybody else, but the Giants make it a really rough – it's really rough for them as well. Too. It's like, all right, you got in, but here's your kryptonite. Yeah, I mean, really, that's really what it is. For some reason, L.A. just hasn't been able to get past the Giants this season, no matter how good their pitching staff has been and – and, you know, you bring in Trey, Trey Turner and what he's been able to do leading the NL and hitting. Uh, you bring in Max Scherzer, and obviously he's just an absolute stud of a pitcher. Uh, no matter how old he, he gets, he is just gets even better with age. He's like a fine wine. Um, but and that's that's high praise coming from a Giants fan to a Dodger. Hmm. So uh, but no, that's uh, it, it's tough to say that, you know, but it's true. It's, it's funny because just the Dodgers can't get past the Giants. But man, the Cardinals, that is a tough, tough matchup for the Giants. Absolutely as well, too. And I'll look into the NL. We will have, or the AL, excuse me, we'll have Boston versus Tampa Bay. Two teams that know each other very well, you could say, to say the least. Both teams that actually match up pretty well because even though Boston's in the wild card, they were no slouches at all as well. How do you see that matchup playing out? You know, I still have the the Rays as the favorite here, and it's it's really becomes down to everything they do slightly above average. They don't do anything really poorly except for maybe hit long balls, which is okay. Because at this time of year, long balls aren't really the thing that's going to get you through. It's going to be the defense. It's going to be the pitching. And and they're they're one of those situations where the sums are greater than their parts. Now, 
again, playoff baseball though is a tough thing because it is really who's who's on the hot streak at the same at the right time, and the Red Sox are on a hot streak at the right time. So that can't come into play. But I do think the Rays in a series, I think the Rays can pull this one off over the Red Sox. And I know I'm going to catch some heat from Boston fans all over the world, but but look, that's that's okay. I'm I just there's something about this Rays team they just somehow can't be beat against their AL, AL East opponents. Absolutely. Well, Tim, I'll just jump into my predictions really quick. I actually agree with a lot of what you say about the Rays. They do a lot of things really well. Their starting pitching may not be the greatest. It might not be a whole team of all-stars, but their relief pitching is among the best left in the playoffs as well, too. Really kind of not really deep, if you'd say, like as far as high talent, but they're deep as far as can get the job done. That's the best way I like to look at them. They remind me of your boy, Dak Prescott. May not excel at anything, but they're good at pretty much everything. There's not a whole lot of weak points. There's just not a lot of great points. So that's actually why I have them getting out of the AL. I think the number one seeded team will get to the World Series. I don't think they're going to take on the Giants, though. I'm leaning towards the Brewers to get out of the NL as well, too. I think it's going to be close. I think the NL is going to be a dogfight, especially if we do see the Cardinals and the Giants. I think they're all going to take a pound of flesh out of each other. But the Brewers have a lot of firepower, and they, they haven't even set the rotation yet for the Braves, which I think is an interesting mind game. Like, they haven't even set the rotation for that as well. So they have multiple All-Stars. They can order them however they want. And I think they have the ability to adjust depending on who they're playing against. So I'm going to say the Brewers take on the Rays in the World Series, but that is not going to be a back-to-back championship run for Milwaukee. I think they will fall to the Tampa Bay Rays, who will pull off the multiple, basically, back-to-back championships coming off the Buccaneers title. So I have it basically, somebody's going to have a really, really happy city after winning an NBA Finals in Milwaukee and an NFL Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. But I think Tampa Bay is going to get it done in a really tight game, I think, as you mentioned, they just do everything pretty good, and I think that's going to come into play against the Brewers. They're so going to be able to withstand the firepower. All right, all right, yeah. No, look, the Brewers, hey, look, the Brewers have a good staff to get out of the NL. Talk about Corbin Burns as a Cy Young Award potential nominee uh, or winner if you're if you're a Brewers fan. You're probably calling him, already calling him a winner. It's already said if you're a Brewers fan. Like, there is no maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, Brewers fans are literally like, Corbin Burns is a Cy Young. Don't get out of here with that, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And you, you have a valid point. And Kristen Yelich, I mean, honestly, he is still – Kristen Yelich, he is still one of my favorite players in the MLB just because of everything he's overcome in his career. Plus, let's not forget, the guy was a Miami Marlin, right alongside Giancarlo Stanton, and everybody forgets that move that got him into into Milwaukee. It was honestly a quiet move, and he has played absolutely lights out MVP caliber, you'd say, for the last two seasons. Um, So it is something to be said about about his talent. For sure. And you mentioned the Astros is your team to get out of the AL AL as well, too, and I think they are a really good matchup for Tampa Bay. Like they both aren't necessarily long ball. They get on base. They do, they hit for bases. They hit to score runs, not necessarily hit for bombs away. So I think the Astros could be tough for Tampa Bay, but I don't think the Astros are going to get past the White Sox. Honestly, I think the White Sox are going to take out the Astros in that and ALDS. We called actually a Reds, a White Sox game earlier in the season when they went against Shohei Otani, who little did we know what he's going to go on to do that season as well, too. Maybe we kicked that off for him as well, too, because he did go long in his first at bat that game as well, too. They, they just have a lot of ability. They have really good hitting and really good pitching. The Sox are kind of like Tampa Bay, almost to a team, I think, with a little bit more firepower. So I think the Sox will get by the Astros, but I do think Tampa Bay will be able to outlast them because like we saw in that Sox game, they can go really, really high, then they valley really, really quickly, and suddenly they can't hit the broadside of a bar and their pitching gets erratic. So they're very up and down. I think they'll be up and able to take out the Astros, but then they'll go back down against Tampa Bay. So that's how the AL plays out. Brewers, I think, will handle Atlanta pretty decently. Atlanta's not too bad, but I think Brewers are just another level. And the Giants, as we mentioned, whether it's Cardinals or the Dodgers, they'll get out. And I think it'll be a dogfight with them and the Brewers. Just leaning a little bit more towards the Brewers, I think, just a 
centimeter more firepower. Not really. It'll be like the full series. It'll come back down to like the eighth, ninth inning in that in the last game. It'll be it'll be a dog vibe. But I think the Brewers will get out by a smidge. Yeah. No. Look. Hey. This is here's something to take into account though. And and I know there's probably going to be some people out there that are like, I hated the 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 extra inning rule. This that and the other. Look how much it applied to the playoff rankings at the end of the day. Of these teams in the playoffs, there might be three, and most of them are wild card teams that are are really reliant on a long ball situation. A lot of them are a lot of technically sound base hit style hit uh, um, lineups from the top to bottom. Look, you have the White Sox who's who's long long ball long ball powered. You have the the Cardinals that are long ball powered. You have the Yankees that were long ball powered, and then you probably have, then you have the Dodgers as well. But you also have Trey Turner on the Dodgers and Mookie Betts who can hit for average as well. So I can't totally say they're they're relying on a long ball, but you do have Cody Bellinger seems to be bombs away or striking out. So their their lineup kind of evens each other out. But uh, everybody else, in the, in the, like especially division winners, you look at this White Sox or uh, Astros, very technically sound. Rays absolutely technically sound. Braves very technically sound as well. I mean Freddie Freeman is a first baseman who's their power hitter, and he hits for a better average than he does for power. And I I absolutely love to watch it. He inside outs of inside outs of baseball from the left side better than anybody since, I mean, Tony Gwynn, maybe, in my opinion. The Brewers, also very sound. Giants, exceptionally sound. Uh, it's, it is just, it's it's fascinating to watch. And and then for those that, you know, hated that rule, don't worry. You're going to get your way next year. You know, the hmm. Yankees suck. So, of course, they have to change the rules to make the Yankees look good again next year. So, um, the, the, that, that extra inning rule with the man starting on second is going to go away. But you see it, you see it come to play, though, with just these playoff rankings, how, Technically sound baseball won out at the end of the season when there was a, a fair advantage given to him. And I'd love to see it. Like we grew up in the era of the long ball, the home run, basically back to back, the Sammy Sosa's, the Mark McGuire's, that sort of thing. It's the Barry Bonds. Like we grew up when it was bombs away, go for it, all sort of thing too. That's so it's kind of nice to see how it's transitioned over the last handful of years as well to exiting the quote unquote steroid era as well. Switching. It's like to make an NBA reference for everybody who's not a baseball fan. It's like having a team go from a bunch of Miami heat with LeBron, Dwayne Wade and all that to a bunch of San Antonio Spurs, and those are the teams that are thriving right now. The ones that play technically sound basketball that aren't dependent on the bombs away or the freakish talent. And it's it's been great to see as well, too. It's too bad one of the rules that really exemplify that is going to be gone next year. So, yeah. Well, okay. you, get, you, you know, take it, it, away. it is what it is. The uh, the squeakiest will, a.k.a. all Yankees fans, uh, always seem to get the oil. So uh, Yes, the loudest wheel of them all. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonix Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Yeah. So anyways, moving on, though, that takes us to our main event, our highs and our lows of the this last week of NFL football. And, and DJ, there was a lot that happened this week. Uh, there was a surprise victory by one team. And uh, well, I guess you could say a surprise defeat by another. But then there's also just coaching decisions galore that were just like, I'm sorry, what? And there were some great decisions. Um, so, DJ, we're going to start with you. What is your first high and your first low from this week of the NFL? We're going to start off with something that hits a little bit home for you necessarily. I'm going to go with my first high being the Cowboys defense. Your boy Trayvon Diggs now has five interceptions in four games, a leading candidate for defensive player of the year. Micah Parsons, who we talked about as an off ball linebacker coming out of the draft, freakishly gifted, does a lot of things well, but 
He just didn't quite have linebacker instincts. Who'd have thought putting him at defensive end, though, he would be a, a potential leading candidate for defensive rookie of the year as well. Who'd have thought basically taking him out of that role where he has to read and react like we saw in week one. Sometimes he's getting lost or going the wrong way on the trail techniques or the going to find work. But you put him at defensive end as like a spy slash pass rusher, kind of taking him out of that sort of realm where he doesn't have to trace trace too much. He gets to use his athleticism. He's thriving. He looks outstanding. Lane Vanderesh, if he stays healthy, knock on wood, that's the big question here. But so far, he's looked really good. The questionable decision of getting rid of Jalen Smith, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about as well too, but that's a, I disagree with that obviously because while Jalen Smith hasn't been his pro bowl self necessarily, he's still the starting captain linebacker of that team was still the, the quarterback quote unquote of that defense. The pass rush is getting after it. The safeties, the gone are the days of Jeff Heath, Jeff Heath torpedoing his way out of the play. Now the safeties are at least staying rel- relatively fundamentally sound. So I'm really high on this Cowboys defense, what they did. Sam Darnold, that hot Panthers team coming in. They still had their moments. DJ Moore still went off as he's probably going to do whenever he wants this year. He is that dude. And honestly, someone we could talk about more is ascending those receiver ranks. He is that good. But they kept Sam Darnold in check. They kept Robbie Anderson from breaking the game open. They did a really good job, and they've done a good job most games this year. They will they will bend quite a bit. They will give up some plays. But they, they do a really, really good job, honestly. They kept Justin Herbert in check, and we're going to talk about the Chargers. They picked off Brady. They took the ball away from the Buccaneers. What was it, four times? Like they may have lost to Tampa Bay, but they did. They took a pound out of them as well too. And of course, we know what they did to the Eagles. Like they absolutely ramrodded them. So this Cowboys defense is something that be something to check on as well. And defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, I believe it is, coming over too. He looks sensational. At Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Excuse me. Sorry. All these Seahawks coordinators that have left over the years. I get them mixed up, but he looks absolutely sensational as a coordinator compared. And he was not bad in Atlanta. He just couldn't quite get it done. But he wasn't the head coach. Uh, like that's just that's the biggest thing you have to you have to acknowledge with with Dan Quinn that he is just not a head coach, but one of the best coordinators you'll find in a Josh McDaniels type role, just without being a D bag. And so I'm going to give credit to this Cowboys defense and look out moving forward. I mean, I think it's going to almost take goofy type offenses to beat them too, which they do play one this weekend. Daniel Jones and the Giants, which can get goofy. So maybe this will be maybe right after I give them all this praise, it'll change. But what they've done has been absolutely sensational. And Trayvon Diggs, while he does give up a lot of random plays, is he is a ball hawk out there, reminding me somewhat of a little bit of Asante Samuel Jr. a little bit too, towards the tail end of his career. Just a guy that finds a way to not Jr. Excuse me, Asante Samuel Sr. Just ranges to find his way at the ball somehow. The way Jr.'s playing right now, he's not far away. I mean, they might both be cut from the same cloth as well too. But Trayvon Diggs making making a name for himself, saying, "I see you, Stefan." So I, I, give me some Cowboys defense on a high. All right. I like it. I, I respect it. We'll talk more about this defense it, a little but, bit later. And then for my lows, I'm going to stay in that same game. I'm looking at the Panthers. Not because, I mean, you ran to the Cowboys. It happens. It's the fact that they got away from what they do. Their personnel changed. What they used to do, as far as their run defense, they used to thrive in that kind of base defense against base personnel, stop the run, fill the gaps, that sort of thing as well, too. Their pass defense, just the way they played was completely different. I know the Cowboys are a different beast than what they've dealt with throughout the season, but you can't. You can't just completely change what you do and giving up. You had been giving up 50 yards rushing per game, less than 50. You let Zeke go off like 130. It was more or less the way they changed the way they play. I didn't really like, so I'm a little bit low on the Panthers, but they'll, they'll be fine. I mean, bringing Stefan Gilmore, that's going to be really nice. You lost JC Horn. You replaced him with 2019 defense player of the year. And you also have him AJ Boye. So they'll be fine. I mean, they'll, they'll be okay, but a little bit low on just how they just the coaching job. And this was kind of, this was the Panthers we expected to kind of see coming into this season during our preseason predictions. Very talented, very close, but not quite there yet. And this is the growing pains we'll probably expect to see throughout the year. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. I mean, look, you can't just change what you're doing. You can't change your identity and expect it to work ever. 
That's not, it's far from ideal. I think it's safe to say. Absolutely. Um, but they'll be fine, but they're low for this week. I'll be behind them next week. Just wait. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'm going to start with my low. Uh, and that's just because it ties into exactly what you were talking about with that guy, with that game. And that is Jalen Smith. I think it's, it's safe to say it's a surprise from all of us everywhere that this was a, a, a cut that needed to be made by the Cowboys. Look, you just talked about how great that defense was, was performing. Jalen Smith, obviously his snap usage the last week went plummeted. It was cut in half to 26.1% from 56 snap, 56% of the snaps previously. Uh, that's absolutely a huge cut. But I, I feel like that came more down to you were playing the Panthers who kind of spread you out and, and made you do that more than anything. But with that said, I mean, I get it. I just don't – I don't like it. I, I don't like the reasoning they're giving me either. Oh, because he was – he had a guaranteed co- injury contract next year and we didn't we didn't feel comfortable with that. Like, I don't – I don't like that. Don't give me that excuse to say, well, we have a lot of linebackers that are up and coming. We can easily replace them. Like, okay, that's fine. But this is a second-round pick you just released. You didn't trade him. You just released him. And you just and signed him too. Not yeah, that like, long ago. That, that's just – Oh, I don't. I, this is a very questionable decision, and it makes me wonder if there's something behind the behind the scenes that we don't know about, that we don't know what was said or had, conversations were had. I mean, obviously, we didn't see anything really with Jalen Smith on on Hard Knocks uh, this preseason, so we don't really know if there was maybe some some friction there, um, especially with the young Micah Parsons coming in and and all of that. I, I, we just don't know. Uh, what what's happening behind the scenes? So maybe there's something there. Maybe that's why. But I personally, I don't like the just releasing, just outright releasing him and not trying to get something from him or for him. And like that's just to me, that's bad business. I mean, you 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 spent a high draft pick on him, considering his knee injury. You could have easily waited until the fourth and fifth round and picked him up, but you didn't. Uh, and and so you used a a high draft pick on him, and and obviously he panned out very well for you considering all the knee injury questions, but to just let him go. Uh, I mean, he went from leading the pregame huddle to being cut four days later. Yeah, something something smells in the water there, and it does look like he's going to Green Bay. If, if it is announced, it'll be the day this is released, too. So we'll see if that one sticks as well. So questionable that you're letting him go because you're just going to release because you can go to an NFC competitor like Green Bay who they might end up seeing in the playoffs because it seems like they play every single time they both make the playoffs it's mandatory so not a very interesting but that does mean one thing that we like it should be Jabril Cox season then guy we are high on coming out of the draft so if you're going to cut him for Jabril Cox okay because we want to see him I personally want to see him play and I think he's going to be outstanding but if you just cut him because like you said there's something behind the scenes that's reckless and we're not going to see Jabril Cox or you're going to move Micah Parsons to a spot with Leighton Van Der Esch and Keanu Neal and still not play Cox, and you're going to take Micah Parsons out of this defensive end hybrid role he's thriving in, well, then that's just stupid business. I'm going to have to take back my high on the Cowboys defense. But we'll see what happens with Jalen Smith. I agree with you, though. Very odd, to say the least. It does, something smells kind of stinky in the water. And it's definitely not money issue. I mean, obviously, because they still owe him the $7.2 million base salary he, he was due this season. And on top of that, he hits you for $6.8 million in dead cap next year. I mean, there's something... This smells of something that just happened behind the scenes that one of the Joneses didn't like, period. That's what this smells like. This smells like the Joneses sticking their finger in the business that didn't didn't belong there. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope this is just a situation where it is the injury thing and there was no words being shared or there's no behind the scenes 
legal issues or anything like that. I hope I hope hope that's not the case. I mean, Jalen Smith seems, for all intents and purposes, to be a pretty reasonable guy on and off the field. But then again, we don't know behind the scenes. So, whoopsie. You know what it was is he probably said something about Arkansas getting smacked by Georgia, and Jerry Jones is just not having any of that. He said something wrong at the wrong time about the Hogs losing to the Dogs, and that's just that was the end of it. Yeah, probably. Uh, that's that's completely. Well, let's get somewhere positive. Yeah. Let's talk about your first high because uh, this is making me feel bad now. Yeah, so going to my first high, staying in the NFC East, actually a team the, Jack- the Cowboys are about to play, that so you mentioned, and that is Saquad's Barkley. Finally, finally, I got to see the human joystick back on the field again. Absolutely fantastic performance. Not just getting the game-tying touchdown to go in OT, but the game-winning setup. I mean, I, I'm sorry. That was just absolutely fantastic to watch Saquad's. I, I, I hadn't seen him lined up out wide in, as a receiver for it feels like since his rookie season. And immediately you do that and he burns his defender. I mean, toast his defender and shakes everybody on the way to the end zone. That was, oh, just put it into my veins. This was absolutely fantastic. Fantasy owners everywhere screamed and and, and out of joy. And I have been very harsh on fantasy owners of Saquon Barkley, Saquon, because truthfully, he's only been giving you two to three weeks of good quality, good quality, numbers every year since his rookie season i mean like really like you've been lucky to see him on the field healthy at this point in time so this was it was good to see that saquad's got his got his start and we'll have to see what he, if he's able to to do it again against uh the cowboys this week but i don't know it's it'll be a tough defense to do it but you do lose that jalen smith hole as we just talked about so there's an opportunity there uh for sure and especially you talked about kind of a a goofy looking offense that the Giants have. Daniel Jones read options with with uh Saquads now opens up the door for a lot of things. And because now you actually have to respect the run of Saquon because he is actually performing to that level. Absolutely. I mean, he, he just like- came off uh, he just came off a game where he performed to that level. So now you're like, oh crap. Here we go. Absolutely. And he looked like that guy that we've been talking about since he came out of college, the ultimate game breaker as well, too. And to mention, all it took was them losing like three receivers and having to activate John Ross off the injury report so they could even line people up. Who would have thought that that's what it took for them to actually use Saquon is losing every receiver. So hopefully when they get them back, they can still use Saquon properly. By the way, John Ross with a uh, off-the-bench fantastic performance for the Giants. How? What? <laughs> I'd look at him revitalizing his career. This Giants team could get kind of scary if they could pull it together as well, too. I mean, the last couple of weeks, they've looked pretty good. I know they lost to the Falcons, but they had some moments. So definitely a team to be on the lookout for. But speaking of guys with... So speaking of guys that have come off out of nowhere and had really good performances, I'm going to stick with, I'm going to start with my high again and Cordero Patterson, the running receiver ultimate weapon that is for the Atlanta Falcons as well, too. The human touch. Yeah. The human touch is what I'm going to call him at this point. The human end zone. It basically has res- Exactly. He has been absolutely sensational, not just in fantasy, but in real life since that game against Atlanta. Wow. As a receiver out of the backfield, he's destroying all linebackers and safeties. You line him up out wide. He's still able to still work as a receiver, too. You can hand him the ball, and he's still one of the hardest guys to tackle in space, whether it's juking people or running through them because he's a pretty big dude. For a guy who, when the Vikings took him as a first-round receiver, was considered a bust almost immediately, almost the first down he played receiver for them, he has carved out a really, really nice career. And Atlanta's starting to pick up a little bit. I don't think they're going to be a playoff contender. They're still 1-3 and and did get smacked week one by Philadelphia, but they're starting to catch on a little bit. I mean, they they fought hard against Tampa Bay before Tampa kind of unloaded on them at the end. They beat the Giants in this last week. It took a miracle from Taylor Taylor Heineke and J.D. McKissick on fourth, third down and seven. Just that absolute ridiculousness to beat them. Atlanta's defense is still going to lose them plenty of games. 
but they're going to be competitive with that offense. Now that Cordero Patterson has unleashed himself as a weapon. Kyle Pitts is starting to come along. Well, as that ultimate weapon, Calvin Ridley, still Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan's trying to play his lights out so he can get traded really quick and have actually end his career decently somewhere, maybe, but I'm really on what Cordell Patterson is doing. We talked about Atlanta needing a running back of some sorts with Arthur Smith at the helm. Maybe it's Mike Davis. Maybe it's Wayne Gallman. It's Cordell Patterson. Once again, finding a niche for himself in the NFL and very underrated career considering he was considered a bust almost immediately in Minnesota. Yeah. No, I, Hey, I love watching Cordell Patterson play. And as long as it's not in Madden, we're good. Me and Cordell Patterson are good. As long as I don't see him in Madden. That, that's where he's the ultimate. That's where he's your ultimate pain in the butt. Him and Golden Tate both is just like get those two away from me and Matt. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody else, absolutely fantastic. I got. I love watching him play in real life, but those two in 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 Madden, I will forever lose to. Absolutely, it's just mandatory. The rules are the rules on that one, and that'll that'll take me to my next low. And I'm gonna t- take to a guy who, for the most part, has been pretty decent in his career, but he has struggled as of late. I'm looking at Baker Mayfield right now. I know they won the game. I know he's. He's you need him to be game manager Baker, and he's usually fine with that. But that game means that he was terrible against the Vikings. He missed Odell on three wide open touchdowns, one of them on that pigtail and fade route that Cooper Cup and Hunter Renfro have been dominating with. A similar version of that Odell absolutely shakes his guy going to the fade route, overshoots it like six yards out of the back of the end zone. Odell wide open on a double move against Harrison Smith. You see that matchup that's easy, you put it on him, shoots it three yards behind Odell, almost hits him in the ankle. And then, of course, the one where Odell streaking by him on a nine route Baker. It's the defensive back in the back of the head. Like Baker has a cannon. He has a hose of an arm. We, we have seen him unload last year. He had a pass that went 61 yards in the air before it hit the ground. The longest in the league on all of last year, he, but something's just a little bit off of him. And his accuracy and his erraticness has really spiked up. Honestly, since that first half against Kansas city, even those first three quarters has been up and down all over the place. And he's, I've joked that he must think his name is Baker Jackson at some point because he does seem to really want to tuck and run a lot. He does seem to think he's a lot more athletic than he is. And he's still really good. Game manager Baker Mayfield. Baker who's not trying to be, as you call him, superhero Baker. Perfect for this team. This team will go to the playoffs and win playoff games for that. Problem is, you haven't even been able to get that. He's been been Mark Sanchez Baker Mayfield recently, and it's not been well. They can still win with him. He's still your guy. Six is still your guy in, in Cleveland, but you got to be mildly concerned after these lot, especially after last week. And you have Chicago. You d- he did okay against Chicago. That was more along the lines of, oh my God, that defense started each play in the backfield. So that made it a whole lot easier, but you got the chargers coming up next. And what they did on against Las Vegas, what they did against Kansas City, and everyone except the Cowboys who they were neck and neck with the Cowboys. It took a 58 yard field goal from Greg Zorloin's leg to win. Like, which if you're the Cowboys, you don't want it to ever come down to that really. I mean, well, maybe from 57, yes, but nothing shorter than that when it comes to Greg Zerloin. So I prefer none I'm, of it to ever happen. Exactly. So if I'm the Browns. I'm a little bit worried as you have, you're going to L.A. to take on the Chargers. Baker's starting to regress. He does have that shoulder injury he had when he tried to make a tackle inexplicably. And I think he thought he was a, a linebacker there and tried to dive at him. When Kareem Hunt was right there and said, just let me, let me take the tackle. I'll kick him to the ground. I got this. But instead, maybe that shoulder injury is kind of dinging with him a little bit. Josh Allen had a similar injury and he even – went on record and said like, yeah, I kind of messed with you a little bit. You're not as accurate. You just don't feel right. So maybe that shoulder injury has something to do with it, but for a team with this team with this aspirations and these goals and this potential, especially this year, he's got to play better. And you got to be a little bit concerned if you're Stefanski, just a little bit, especially when no Jarvis Odell is your guy, your game breaker. And you left 21 points to him on the board just last week. That dude can set this league on fire. If Baker will hit him, he still has it. We watched the game. He is open. He find he still gets open like Odell. You could just get him the ball. You just they can't seem to get he's 
Baker just isn't getting the ball really. I mean, anything beyond 10 yards, he seems to be meh with right now. And that's a little concerning. I think he'll be fine, but definitely hard not to be on low on him this week after that performance. Well, I, I, I'm kind of going to go the opposite way with you right now. I'm actually setting the Browns up as one of my highs and particularly the Browns defense. That's fair. That defense played phenomenally. Outside of the first quarter touchdown, I mean, early first quarter touchdown, they went three and really what is three and a half quarters of just shut out football. I mean, goodness gracious, 24 minutes of total possession time given up, which was still below their average given up on the season, which is fantastic to this Vikings team who, if you can keep possession out of their hands, I was perfect, especially when you talk about them going up to the Chargers coming up this week. That's number one on the list. Keep possession out of their hands and in your hands. That's number one. On top of that, you have Miles Garrett out here just, I mean, the dude goes sleeveless for the first time in a game and gets drug tested. That's how good he's been playing lately. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, second in the team in total solo tackles right now with 12, behind only Denzel Ward with 13. Why Denzel Ward has 13? Well, that's just because Denzel Ward's that dude and will stick his nose in on everything. Malcolm Smith leading the team in total tackles, assisted plus solos, along with Miles Garrett with 19. I mean, it's it's been fantastic to watch. Greedy Williams and Malcolm Smith both with a pick each. I think it's safe to say Malcolm Smith might be one of their better additions to this team uh, as of as of late, as far as starting in the rotation, because the way he's been coming and playing for this team, it's it's absolutely everything they need. Wusu Koromoa is just. Uh, uh, everything you wanted from a second round draft pick that we had going in the first round uh, uh, in our big board on the board too. Like we yeah, had that guy I, worth going in the top 10. Like, and he should have been, and he should, the way he's playing right now, he looks like he should have been um, to be fair. And this is, that might be one of the steals of the draft along with, well, a guy for the chargers that we'll talk about, I'm sure a lot next week on highs and lows, <laughs> if he has a good game against miles Garrett, but we'll have to see about that. Um, because this Browns defense is set up to literally carry the Browns, no matter whether Super Baker shows up or the high-quality Bake Show, like I like to call them, the calm, cool, collective game manager Bake Show. Uh, that's that's who I want every day for 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 the Browns on Sunday. By the um, way, I don't want Super Baker go too much farther. For anyone who's listening and is already trying to tune out, Game Manager Baker can still throw four touchdowns. Like we're not yeah. like, oh, Game yeah. Manager Baker doesn't mean you only throw like one touchdown, one hundred fifty yards. Like it's a game manager is the play style, not the stats or the results. It's the how you it's, play the game. Just yeah, it's a game listen. style. It's the men, it's the mentality. It's the I'm not going to try to fit in a ball where I can easily look to my left, and I have a wide open receiver who I can just toss it to for seven yards compared to fitting a ball in forty yards downfield and getting it picked. That's the difference between Super Baker and Bake Show Baker. Bake Show Baker, Bake Show Baker makes the right decision to the right receiver every time. Super Baker tries to fit it in on small gaps or overthrows a wide open Odell Beckham, which I still don't know how you overthrow Odell ever, but or underthrow I, I him too. Like you underthrow him, you overthrow him, you you miss him in every way possible. Like you manage to find a way to miss him every single way possible. Yeah. So I look, but no, this Browns defense I absolutely love. And uh the way they've been playing lately, especially against what they did against the Vikings through three and a half quarters after that first quarter touchdown, uh is just absolutely fantastic. So giving the credit to all them. And uh by the way, NFL, don't worry. Miles Garrett's just built different. It's not <laughs> steroids. That man is just a dinosaur. It's okay. That's not so. a human. You let you let different non-human creatures play into the NFL. That's on you. But that is not. There's nothing against the drug policy on being a dinosaur. Look, yeah, no, hey, look, he, there's a reason he loves paleontology. 
It's hmm. because he is just a super, super ingenious dinosaur that has turned himself into a human looking thing. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know how to work that. He's, he's a human dinosaur hybrid. There we go. That's what I was looking for. That's he's why it's so interesting. He's a Terminator without electronics, basically. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so that's one. That's my that's my second high. Um, now I'm going to my lows, and I'm going to go to somebody who actually really has to worry about their quarterback, and that's the Broncos, because which, one? which quarterback? exactly <laughs> you lose Teddy Bridgewater, he comes in a concussion, concussion protocol, and then the guy I had picking in the season that who I thought they should start with, Drew Locke comes in, and well, you just you don't look good. Um, it's safe to say. He is, he is still scheduled to start this week. So you have a chance to start with Drew Locke. But, man, Broncos fans, like, give this kid a chance. Has he yet had a chance to have a full season as a starter or even three to five games as a starter without having major injuries on the team? Because the answer is no. He has yet to have any time for between three to five games worth of starting time without having one major injury on that team. I just – I the – the only reason I'm really low on Broncos fans is really where I'm low on. Not so much the Broncos quarterback situation. I got to be honest. Broncos fans just kill me, man. It's like, it's like the world is falling apart when Drew Locke's there. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you guys forget that you guys still have a pretty good defense? And, well, you guys still have a pretty good run game. And you still have a pretty good offensive line. Do you guys forget that? And Drew Locke, by the way, just hasn't really been given a chance to throw to any of your receivers who he's still not going to be throwing to a fully healthy receiving core yet again. Like, it's it's rough for me to watch. Um, I do wish Drew Locke would get an opportunity uh, to go somewhere if he's not going to be in Denver and, and get a chance. But, yeah, Lowe's in the Broncos quarterback situation. Just because at this point in time, if your name's not Teddy Bridgewater, they're not going to love you at all. And it, it doesn't matter if you go out there and throw for four touchdowns, no picks, and lead your team to a 42-0 to zero victory. Like, they are not going to like you at all. Your name's not Teddy Bridgewater or, or John Elway, and, and there's just no – if Andrew, or Peyton Manning, I guess you could also include in that list, and you're just not going to be loved. Peyton Manning tops that list, though. I think you almost you almost buried the lead there. Well, I'd still say John Elway tops that list. I think it's a close. It's a close though, especially for a short amount of time. Yeah, well, I I think he still tops that. Peyton Manning next, and and just because of top of mind, Teddy Bridgewater right there. Um, look, I could also throw Jake Plummer out there for all you <laughs> old school uh, Broncos fans. Um, but no, look, as I don't know, man. This is this Broncos quarterback situation just does not look good. I'm just going to add on to that too. Like people might be overrating that three and zero star. You played teams that were combined. zero and nine, like they were terrible. I mean, the Jets just, oh, got I think the, they're zero and 12 now. No, the Jets got the win. So they're oh, sorry, one and 11 bad. now. So okay. there you go. And actually they technically did beat the giants. So maybe it's two and 10. So it looks like afterwards they also managed to get a win, but it's not that great. Like it's nothing to be that excellent, that great about one of them was the urban Meyer led Jaguars, which if you listen to our fourth and four, that's a whole nother can of worms. Like maybe yeah. they just weren't that good, honestly. And Teddy was just in the right place at the right time, making the right plays. Like this wasn't sustainable. And then you have a Lamar Jackson led Ravens coming in here. They're on a hot streak. Good luck. Yeah. Look, I just, this was just rough for the Broncos quarterbacks in general. And then Teddy getting a concussion and it was, a, I mean, look, it was an accidental hit by Oa. It definitely wasn't a purposeful thing. I saw there's a couple things that saying, Oh, I hit him in the head on purpose that he went down, caused intentionally caused a concussion to try to injure him. I'm like, we're talking about a guy who hasn't gotten a sack in an entire season of playing football uh, before he before this season. Like, literally, he went an entire season without getting a sack. He's definitely not trying to hurt anybody because he just hasn't been there. Like, he just doesn't know what to do when he gets a sack at this point in time. Yeah, they're right. I mean, there's a lot of that with Bronx fans. Like, oh, the rush, trying to get the 100 yards rushing was that four-yard carry at the end of the game was child's play. They tried to hurt our players. 
Yeah, I'm sure that's what it was. They looked at the Broncos like, this is the team we need the hurt players. Not Kansas City when we played them, and they were up on us. Not the Raiders, who are known as the – well, they are the Raiders. That's all you really need to say about the Raiders. Like, Dave, they, their long history is of going after players. Like, no, 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 it's the Broncos we got to go hurt players on, not yeah. those other teams. Like, It's what? the Broncos who will face this one time and not again for another six years when they finally come back around on our schedule. Like, that was just – we're going to get away from that because this could turn into a whole other tangent on how long this is, but we're going to stay, we're going to stay in the AFC West for my final highs. And it's going to be a tandem. It is the chargers, but, and specifically Justin Herbert, that man, we think we could both agree on this. You could tell me if I'm wrong, but that man is in the MVP conversation. And I'm not saying he's one or two or three, but he's not lower than that at this point. Like, you I mean, can't I'd, I'd say he's a good two easy, maybe a one. Like, I feel like it's him, Kyler Murray, and then you could throw in Matthew Stafford or Derek Carr, depending on Derek your preference, Carr. like all four of them. Like that's, the, that's, those are your leaders for MVP right now. Maybe Brady's not far behind. Like you can get, you can split them up however you want, but Justin Herbert is in that conversation. He, with the exception of a couple met throws against the Cowboys, especially and missing Mike Williams on Monday night. Oh, darn. He's been sensational dropping 40 yard hole passes in a cover two zone drop, finding Mike Williams against the Chiefs multiple times to win. Checks down the check downs to Austin Eckler, multiple tight ends. That rebuilt offensive line that's still not healthy. Brian Blog is still not playing right tackle, still not 100% there. He's looked absolutely fantastic. And then I'm, it's not just, he's obviously most of this high, but I'm also going to throw in the Chargers defense led by Brandon Staley, who I feel like I am tied to at the hip for this entire season, considering how much I rode that train during our predictions. He's been absolutely phenomenal. What he did to this against the Raiders, bracketing Hunter Renfro in that key third down and completely screwing with them. The rotating coverage over Darren Waller, not giving up huge plays, minus one bomb to Henry Ruggs when it was just Henry Ruggs being faster than almost everybody in the world. Not a whole lot you could do about that one. Just the the way he's managed to stifle offenses. I mean, against the Cowboys, who have been sensational, they held them to 17 points. He did a great job of them. Kansas City, they were beating up on Kansas City until Patrick Mahomes had a moment of full-on patty, and they still forced three-plus takeaways. I think it was three. This What he's been able to do with this defense is absolutely phenomenal. The only way to really catch them is to – if he decides I'm stopping the pass and you run on them like the Cowboys did. And even then he adjusted and made it close. So chargers as a whole, which I picked them to be a wildcard team might've undersold that. They might act like an 11 win wildcard team. I might've undersold it, and They might be taking that division this year. If this keeps up as well too, then they have a tough matchup. As you mentioned with the Browns, that's really, they've had a bunch of tough matchups in a row. Now the chiefs, the undefeated Raiders, and now the Browns, they can get the way they're going through this stretch. Justin Herbert might be this league's MVP by the end of the year too, but. I'm going to tandem those two together and say that is they've been absolutely sensational. They they should be the team in L.A., honestly. They should be, but the Rams still kind of have a staple on that. But Chargers are showing they are legit, and they should be in that conversation as well. Technically, they're the number one seed in the AFC right now. Yeah, No, I look, I'm, I'm all in on the Chargers, mm-hmm. and I, I still say you buried the lead, too, on – on one of the guys that's been absolutely incredible for the Chargers, and that's Rashawn Slater. I, I knew uh, you wanted – you're the offensive lineman here. I had to let you take your time. Like, I knew you were wait, waiting for it, and we, we I, talked about them all draft, all offseason. This is your time. <laughs> look, I'd also I'd like to like to throw a shout, special shout-out to the new center in there, Corey Lindley. I mean, oh, boy, if he – I think this is a this is a situation where Rashawn Slater was legitimately that dude. Uh, and by the way, I, I got to give you credit for that because you were the person that talked me into saying, yeah, I agree with you. Let's rank him number two on our big board because I was still torn. I thought he was a top 10 guy. I didn't think he was top two uh, until, well, you convinced me and, and you made me look at the tape again. And, and, and I will say that rightfully so he was top two on our big board. He should have been. And if you guys, the fact he dropped in the draft is just still shocking to me. Um, and the fact people keep thinking Panay Sewell was a better option. Well, um, just look at the tape right now. 
and uh, tell me who is the better option. And by the way, Panay Sewell's outstanding as well, too. This is not a shot of Panay Sewell. Oh, yeah, no, no. The no, fact no. that people put several shots later wasn't in his class, it's like, well, you might want to recheck that now. And again, he's going to have his first, I think he's going to have his biggest test ever in his career coming up this next weekend against Miles Garrett. So Probably the biggest test he will ever have in his career, too. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. They, kept but, Max, they, make, they kept Max Crosby away from him for a reason. There's a reason he was coming off the right tackle where Brian Balaga was not available and healthy. There is a reason for that. Yeah, exactly. And and look, I, I'm I, you know, Rashawn Slater's class, but Lindsley, Lindsley, whatever, what he had brought in, that mentality he brought in, that just gritty, nasty, dirty center, going to maul you to death mentality, played in perfectly with what Rashawn, Rashawn Slater needed as, as far as a mentor. And I think hit, Lindsley's mentality coming in was just, the extra piece that's needed to go along with kind of Justin Herbert's laissez-faire, like I'm here, but I'm not going to get out of, I'm not going to go out and talk about how I'm here, but I'm just, I'm that dude. Like it's a quiet confidence with Justin Herbert. Whereas Lindsay's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to smash your face in the dirt and I'm going to rub your face in the dirt. And then I'm going to tell you how good I am while I'm rubbing your face in the dirt. Like that's, I think that's a perfect dynamic between your center quarterback, kind of your Jeff Saturday, Peyton Manning combination of the two. And the Jason Kelsey with Carson Wentz slash Nick Foles slash whoever suited up when they were good too. Like it's basically Corey Lindsley personifies what goes through Justin Herbert's head. I'd imagine as well too, because you can tell Herbert radiates confidence, even though he's the most calm, cool, collected guy out there. Just look at him. It's like, yeah, that dude's about to drop four touchdowns on us. Shoot offense. You got to score 30 plus just looking yeah. at him. You could feel that as well. But yeah, no, I had to throw those two out there because those two are, uh, I, I look, I think, I think have helped to make Justin Herbert's MVP career, MVP season happen so far. Absolutely. I'm still standing by my preseason prediction of Tom Brady, but Justin Herbert's making my Chargers pick look really smart. He might have, they might even be one upping me even more than I thought as well. So he they're absolutely sensational. So for my final low, we're gonna go to something a whole lot less sensational. I'm not gonna pick a team. I'm not gonna pick a player. I'm not gonna pick a side of the ball. I'm going the entire division of the AFC South. My goodness, Houston gets lambasted by the Bills. We expected the Bills to beat them. That was not a surprise. They covered the spread two times over, and the spread was ridiculous. The spread would look like a college football spread, and they doubled it. The, the over-under, I think the Bills covered that on their own. If not, they got really, really close in a shutout. It was a 43 over-under. The Bills and, got uh, 40. They just, they just came, they came a field goal shy of covering. Like It was a minus 1,600 favorite. You could have made it minus 4,700. Like it could, that could have been a Ronda Rousey-Holly Holmes spread. That could have been Mike Tyson-Buster Douglas spread. Like The Bills were... And we obviously, we were high on the Bills. Like, you could make a case they're the best team in the league right now if we did power rankings. They're up there. They're not bad at all. They are fantastic. And they, the Texans didn't even put up a fight, though. You couldn't even, like, you couldn't even get first downs. Even when you picked off Josh Allen's first pass of the game, it was downhill after that. So the Texans, miserable showing. Jacksonville, yeah, I mean, it was a competitive game, but there's a whole lot of other issues going on there. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. We'll see if that thing shapes up anytime soon. They got some... They got some holes to deal with, if you will. The the Titans, you lost to the – I know you're losing Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, your top two receivers. You look like trash against the Jets. Zach Wilson pieced apart your defense. After a, after you score a touchdown, the tied up, he casually next play says, nah, rolls out of the pocket, points like four times over like this is mad, then throws a 60-yard bomb to Corey Davis. Like they got absolutely pieced up by the Jets' offense and defense defensively. The Titans had nothing. They couldn't, they struggled against that Titans defense as well, too. I mean, Derrick Henry couldn't get going. They couldn't find any tight ends. That it was just a rough, miserable showing. And then the Colts, the one AFC South team to get a win against the Dolphins. And they did it in a comfortable manner, but in the ugliest way possible. 
They look terrible. It took the Dolphins miscues to really give them the win. Jonathan Taylor had a hundred yard rushing game. Carson Wentz looked all right. A couple touchdowns as well, too. So they looked all right, but at the same time, it's my, it was not pretty. So I'm looking at the whole AFC South and it's like, wow, your division leaders two and two, and they just got beat by a winless team. They, they don't look at nobody in that division really looks good. I mean, you can make a case that going into next week, this next week, the Colts are the front of the AFC South, even though they're tied tied for the middle, just because they are coming off a win, a comfortable win over a team on paper. That's decent. Like you could split that however you want. Like there's the Titans who beat the Seahawks as well, but then you lose to the jets. It's, that whole division's a mess, man. It's terrible. It's, it reminds me of the NFC, the NFC South of a few years ago when Cam got in at like a seven, eight, and one record when they got in like that as well, too. Or when the Seahawks got in with a losing record. Unless something changes, teams get healthier, things flip around. It's obviously only four games in. That division leader is going to get smacked by somebody like the Chargers or the Chiefs or whoever the wildcard team is. Whoever comes in as the fifth seed is going to wallop them in their house and laugh all the way out. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Well, it's funny you mentioned that the AFC South and especially the Titans, um, because that is my that's my high is the Jets, uh, because obviously not just their first victory, but man, the way they did it, it's not look the scoreline says one thing, but it's just the way they did this game, did this, what they had to do and what they did to to be competitive and, and to succeed. If they can do this week in and week out, this Jets team could turn around their season really completely. Zach Wilson becomes the one of five rookie quarterbacks to ever throw with throw for 250 yard completions in in the same game the first time since 2015 which by the way was done by Dak Prescott so or sorry uh sorry since 2015 my bad since 2015 so there's been five quarterbacks to do it that's Dak Prescott Deshaun Watson Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert read that stat wrong but still absolutely fantastic then the Quint the, the Williams brothers by the way Quinnen and Quincy combined for 19 total tackles and three sacks Became the first pair of first pair of brothers to record a sack on the same team in the same game. I mean, okay, that's uh by itself fantastic news. And then on top of that, Robert Sala, congratulations, you got your first win. And and really the way they did it too, it was coming back, it was putting their foot on the pedal when they got back in the game and just not letting go. And then I mean, first of all, Tevin Coleman almost coming back from injury and giving them the game winning touchdown. That was bravo to you tevin coleman but now we get to see a healthy tevin coleman for the rest of the season playing in the, in these games we'll see what they can do with a real running back uh back there it'll be it, it should be fun to see this jets team for at least a good little while absolutely and to add on to that zach wilson's fantastic and those williams brothers too there's a great picture us on twitter where they went and hugged their grandma as well too who's there raising them they had a great moment to share with them as well too so fantastic for the jets you you feel good for them as well too it's just one of those feel good things all around we'll see if they can continue too zach wilson looked Things started to make sense to him as well, too. So, well, low on the Titans for what they did, good for the Jets. It's hard to be hot. Fly, Jets, fly. But unfortunately, we're going to have to come back down to earth for your final low of the day. Yeah, so my low is uh, Crazy Eyes himself, Matt Nagy. And he finally came up to the right decision early in the middle of the week. But you know what? After the game, you can, can you say everything wrong more than Matt Nagy said everything wrong? Mainly, well... Andy Dalton's our starting quarterback for for the rest of the season. That's just the the plan. That's just how it's going to be. If he's healthy, he's going to be out on the field. Wrong, Matt Nagy. Wrong. Did you see what Justin Fields did for you? Have you seen what Justin Fields has done for you this season? Have you seen what Andy Dalton's done for you when healthy this season? They are not equal. They should never be equal. We knew this beforehand. We knew Andy, we knew Andy there was going to be a time where Andy Dalton was going to be replaced by Justin Fields during the season. To be honest, I didn't think it was going to be this early. I thought it was going to be two, three weeks later. But you know what? 
now is as good a time as any. And I'm glad he came to the decision to finally say Justin Fields is his starting quarterback because it the fact that it was going to be a question was just not good for the Bears going forward. I thought for sure if it was going to stay a question mark, then the Bears are just – that's going to be an incomplete team week in and week out because they're not going to know who's going to be their starter. I mean, they might know, but to not – to be getting the questions constantly, who's your starter, who's your starter, who's, that drives you crazy as a player. Uh, so that's just not going to be – that would not be fun. So good on him for finally coming credit, but or giving credit to Justin Fields and giving him the starting job, but it took way too long. And that's why he's in the lowest category for me. This was during the game, after the game, he just said all the wrong things for me. Not to um, mention and that was, Sorry, that's why he's there. Not to mention Bill Lazar, Lazar was calling the plays as well, too, in this game. And afterwards, in the post-press conference, he basically takes credit for it. Not just, hey, Laser called a great game. Fields played great. It was awesome. Nope, it's, he basically had to take credit for that as well, too, on top of it. Instead of just saying, like, hey, great job. That the, I don't know if I don't want to call it arrogance, but that insecurity i guess where you have to be offended when someone says hey somebody else call plays better than what you normally you're the head coach you don't need to be calling plays anyway most head coaches really shouldn't call plays i mean there's anomalies like sean mcveigh but for the most part they really don't need to call plays i mean frank reich and indy really should consider giving a play calling as well too so you can focus on being a head coach most of them should not do it and matt Nagy, well shouldn't be a head coach for one but if he's going to be a head coach he shouldn't call the plays on top of it it shows laser can focus on getting just feels in the best spots to thrive and i know it was the lions but they, they did what they need to do, and Fields is only going to get better, especially if David Montgomery is healthy and able to keep going. So we'll see. They do have a tough matchup coming for, up with the Raiders, but I, I agree with you. Like, Nagy needs to just take a chill pill and not say anything ever again. Yeah, look, the, the, I look at it this way. The Lions are two-seventeenths of your schedule every year. If you can beat the Lions twice, that's at least two wins you're getting. Congratulations. That's two wins. Now you just got to go stack some more on them. So, look, you got you to get some victories somewhere, and if you can at least guarantee wins over Lions, that's – that's progress. Um, hey, you're so. two games ahead of last place guaranteed in the division. Heck, you're second place in the division because the Vikings are struggling too. Take what you can get. And Fields, while he has his struggles, he's going to struggle. He has the worst supporting cast of all the rookie quarterbacks when you look at it. He has no offensive line, does have a couple good receivers, moderate tight ends, a good running back, and terrible play calling. Well, and a, a good running back is now injured. Yeah. And a if and uh, defense, one week it's three picks, couple pick sixes, the next week it's shredded cheese. So, it's, it's the most reckless situation. It's going to struggle this. We picked them going to the playoffs off the back of Justin Fields, assuming everything would be healthy. Maybe we were maybe we both kind of stretched on that one a little bit, but it's, it's possible, I guess. But let Justin Fields go out there and let him take the field. Yeah. So that'll take us into crunch time, brought to you by Swift Lifestyles. And if you guys haven't checked out Swift Lifestyles yet, please do so. It is the healthy alternative to all the G Fuel energy drinks out there. Uh, just Head on over to SwiftLifestyles.com. Pick up your 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 packaging there. And when you're over there, hit High Low Sports in the little coupon code box, and you'll be able to get 15% off of your order. So, DJ, crunch time, my guy. What do you have to talk about? I'm going to be relatively quick with this one. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I'm going to go on a little bit of a what-the-heck-are-you-doing mini-rant against athletic commissions when it comes to combat sports. I don't know if anyone has heard, but recently there's a bare knuckle, a bare knuckle boxing fighter at Thornton. He recently died from injuries sustained while he was competing. He was knocked out a few weeks ago, landed on the top of his head and had a spine injury, was in, in the hospital, died. They said it was partial. I think it was due to brain injuries as well as an infection in his spine and the way he landed. The man was six and 18 as a career professional fighter record going against a guy who was 10 and one. How does that get sanctioned for one two? That bear, I'm not going to get into the bare knuckle boxing fighting thing. I don't like it that much, but to each their own. It has a market, let it be out there. But 
how are you letting these matchups go? How are you letting these even be sanctioned? Athletic commissions have every right to be like, absolutely not. If you're a professional fighter, there should be a certain statue of losses or a win to loss record that once you hit that, you're not allowed to fight anymore. If at any point you're after 10 fights, you have a losing record or a 500 record, they should say, sorry, we can't have you do this. It's not good for your health. The fact that you're six and 18 going against a 10 and one guy. And it's not just this one incident. This isn't isolated. They let Chuck Liddell at 40 something billion years old fight Tito Ortiz a few, not too long ago. Who's also 40 plus years old. They let Evander Holyfield walk off the couch and take on Vitor Belfort on 48 hours. notice Cause Oscar De La Hoya, De La Hoya had to get a gynecology exam or something on short notice. I don't know what it was with him. They let this happen entirely too often. And it goes to the UFC, the fact that they let CM Punk even compete in the UFC. I know that that one wasn't as bad because he's an amateur and they basically put him against another amateur and classified as a quote-unquote pro fight. But that's, So that one's not quite as bad, but that's just to add on to the list of athletic commissions need to do a better job regulating fights. They need to start just telling people, absolutely not. I know Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather was an exhibition, so that one technically wasn't going to get regulated per se, but you can't let that happen as well too. They need to do a better job saying like, Hey, you can't do that. We will not let it happen here. Basically, if every athletic commission does that, they can't hold those fights as a professional bout or in anything along those lines as well, too. The amount you can't, this isn't like when you go to the Y and go play pickup basketball with guys who are six foot nine and former college basketball players that are going to dunk on you and destroy you. You're just going to walk away a little pride sore, if anything else, or a little bit like, damn, can I play somebody else? It, this, that's not how this works. You do that. You're going unconscious and we see somebody die as a result of these sort of situations. Obviously, there are more factors. It wasn't directly due to just this fight. This was a culmination, a pile effect. This rant is towards all athletic commissions for just some of those examples I listed, among many others where guys fighting should not be fighting and their opponents. My goodness, that's literally like if a professional fighter went and got in a street fight at the bar. If you're a professional fighter, your hands are classified as weapons. So you can be charged with that. If you let just because you put them in a ring against somebody who might as well have been picked up off a bar, it doesn't make it okay. So athletic commissions knew it, do we need to do a better job of regulating these type of combative sports because that's you literally just had somebody die part in no small part due to injuries sustained in the ring he was partially paralyzed from his landing after he knocked down anyone could go look up the video try with caution if you do it's a little bit rough to watch i i felt uneasy watching it as well so that is my rant as athletic commissions you don't play combat sports so start doing your job and keeping people safe yeah no that's uh, that is a very good point i unfortunately i think we both went down a uh down the path of here of, of, of a little bit of condemning of, of some, some organizations because uh, yeah, I mean, while the athletic commissions of combat sports aren't doing their job, the NWSL wasn't doing theirs. Um, if you guys hadn't heard about the NWSL issue, situation that's happened, uh, they just returned to play after last weekend's cancellations. Uh, the reason for the cancellation, by the way, sexual misconduct allegations against a current head coach for the North Carolina courage. And, Here's the there's 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 countless, I mean countless stories that have come out against this coach since last week's incident, which by the way happened last Thursday, and yeah, it's 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 been huge, and this has been 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 a major issue. My my biggest thing is the NWSL not taking any onus on on this. Like this is still a current head coach. He's still there. He will be at least he was coaching in practice for his team this this week he didn't walk away he didn't step down yet as far as i the news i've seen and yet here he is still facing misconduct allegations and coaching on the sideline in a female sport i i don't get it uh this is 
I don't know, man. This is this this one is all all bad, all bad about it. Everything everything about this one is is sketchy and skeevy. Gives me the 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 willies, and I don't like any of it. I, this is absolutely horrible. Um, absolutely, it's a very it makes your skin crawl a little bit just thinking about it as well too. It makes you really uncomfortable, and it's been a, it's been a rough way to end this podcast too. So we're gonna try and bring out the mood a little bit as we wrap this one up too, because we both had some things we had to get off our chest and they weren't exactly the most positive. So we're going to end this by talking about what we have coming up this weekend. And that includes two banger of football games on color cast. We'll be calling as well too. And everyone who knows us, they know we love ourselves some color cast. We definitely, if you're listening to this, haven't checked it out yet. And you have the ability, definitely go download the app, give it a try yourself. Come tune in to us this week on Saturday, 4 PM Eastern time, Iowa, number three in the poll, taking on number four, Penn state. Absolutely big-time game that could have some national championship implications. The high-flying offense of Penn State taking on the stifling defense of Iowa. That should be an absolute game-changer in Iowa City, seeing how things move forward. And might be the whoever's the winner of that might be out in front for the leading the Big Ten with Michigan and other teams not too far behind. And then on Saturday, on Sunday, we preluded to in our highs and lows a lot, but a game that we both are looking forward to. Potential MVP favorite Justin Herbert and the Chargers taking on the visiting 3-1 and one surprisingly defensively stout Cleveland Browns coming into town as well too, coming on a three game win streak coming off just seven points through four games and a three and a half quarter shutout. The first team to pick off Kirk cousins too, by the way, and been miles Garrett, a potential leading candidate for defensive player of the year as well. Two absolute sensational games. We look forward to calling these ones both. And by the way, that also does remind us that we did release some merch for breast cancer awareness month. If you guys haven't checked it out though. It is our tagged pin or tag tweet in our Twitter page. And it's to help out, the National Breast Cancer Foundation, and that's an absolutely great cause. But look, it's the month of October. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You see the players wearing pink on the field. Well, you get yourself some special edition Hilo Sports merchandise all in pink. So no better cause to give to. And go check that out, guys, in our bio and in our on our Twitter page. But as always, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Until next time, see ya. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.